0: (laughs) to Backlisted, the podcast that gives new life to old books. I'm John Mitchinson, the publisher of Unbound, the website where readers get to crowdfund the books they really want to read. My
1: name is Andy Miller. I am the author of the Year of Reading Dangerously. And this week, I was attacked on social media by Sky Anchorman, Adam Bolton, for reading too much. (laughs) Did you see that?
0: I did, indeed. Uh, yeah. I contributed, I think, a, an emollient <laughs> tweet saying, don't trigger these people, Andy, don't trigger hey, these
1: well, people. Well, I wasn't trying to trigger him, I just put up a
2: pile of... You didn't do anything. You didn't...
0: I think there, is a, there are two head. views on this. There is the view that he was actually trying to pay you a compliment, but he mm-hmm. had a pretty rum way of going about it, if you ask me.
1: He said, I posted on... a pile, of, a picture of the pile of books that I read last month, and it was 20 books, and some of them were short, but reading is my job. And he retweeted my tweet with the words, well done. Do you have a job or a family? (laughs) And I replied saying, I do have a job, Adam Bolton, and my family is very patient, as I imagine yours must be. (laughs) It, it was quite the did spat. He, quite the Twitter spat. The, did he
2: respond? Or did he? No,
0: and then everyone else bundled uh, on. It was terrible. Fraser yeah. Nelson for the spectator weighed in and complained about not reading enough. Anyway, uh, we're also joined today
1: by Will Smith. <laughs> Hello. Will is a former stand-up comedian, an actor, a screenwriter. He's the co-writer and co-producer of Veep for which he was one of the recipients of two Emmys and two Writers Guild of America Awards. He contributed to The Thick of It. How many people have seen The Thick of It? No one. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, As a writer and actor, where he played Peter Mannion's uh, (laughs) advisor, Phil Smith. Phil Smith, whose key character elements were... He was obsessed with Lord of the Rings, and he was described in one episode as having a haircut called The Disney Prince.
2: (laughs) That's what I asked for. And it's what you got. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Will is the author of several comedy books and a novel entitled Mainlander, which was published about three or four years ago, a thriller set in Jersey, which is where he grew up. Boo! Thank you. (laughs) The Independent described Mainlander as John le Carré meets Middlemarch. George's Elliot and Smiley together at last. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, before we get on to talking about the book that we are here to discuss, I should say you will perhaps realize from the acoustic that this is a live edition of the podcast, and we are at the Guernsey Literary Festival in the beautiful St. James Church and Assembly Rooms in St. Peter Port uh, on the island of Guernsey. So, thank you, Guernsey, for the invitation. We're very, very happy to be here.
1: So, Will, you grew up
2: here.
0: No, whoa, 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 whoa.
2: Wash your mouth out. I grew up in Jersey. Jersey, what's that? Uh, It's a superior island. No, it's the the same but bigger. That's probably more offensive. (laughs) And
1: did you come to Guernsey much? I don't know whether residents of the Channel Islands travel to the other islands or whether that's frowned upon. No, that lady <laughs> saying no. We <laughs> never go <laughs> to home. Victor Hugo came here
2: from there. He did, yes.
1: Yeah. Victor Hugo came here from there. He
2: spent considerably more time with you than us, didn't he? Which Yeah, yeah it speaks so volumes. You? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're right,
0: you're right. 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 Did, did you not write Les Miserables
2: here? He did, yeah. Okay. And Toilers of the Sea. Yeah. So did you used to come to Guernsey... Much uh, when you no, I did, we did, I did trips to sort of, you know, look at all the islands, but not, not as a regular thing. There is a, a strange rivalry that I mm. can't remember the basis of, but it just is. But we're, it's fine, though, it's fine. We do have a barrier
0: in front of the stage. But we're, in a, <laughs> we're in a cage right now, but it's OK, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine.
1: And, John, have you ever been to I Guernsey I have never before?
0: been to Guernsey before. Um, I, I've been to the other place for a, for a, a bookseller <laughs> conference. It's fine. Literally, on the three slightly uh, jet-lagged hours I've had in, in Guernsey so far, a very nice man, I thought incredibly friendly, gave me a, a drive along the coast, which was spectacular. And I just love islands. I've, I'm, I'm, I think, like a lot of people, I just there's something about uh, island culture that, um, that I, I love. So I'm looking forward. I've got a bit of time tomorrow to go and do a bit more exploring. It's hard coming off the back of the book that we're going to yeah, be talking yeah. about. Obviously, is the, the, perhaps the, the great novel of Guernsey
1: it's really amazing being here at St James's I came to a concert at St James's in 1985 and I'm wondering if anyone was here <laughs> on that night in 1985 I came to see a folk singer and I'm going to play you the first minute of a song that I remember him playing his name was Jake Thackeray. how many people know <laughs> the great great Yorkshire Chansonnier, <laughs> Jake Thackeray. <laughs> Live in Jersey. Uh, ah, oh. ah! Stop doing that! <laughs> he, he didn't do that, Sean. When he, he was a pro.
0: We'll be back in just a sec. The book we are here to talk about is the book of Ebenezer LePage by G.B. Edwards, uh, first published posthumously in 1981. Before we set
1: the book up, I normally on backlisted read the blurb, but I'd like to ask Will. Yeah. You know, you grew up in the Mm. Channel Islands. This is the most famous novel
2: to come out of the Channel Islands. Were you aware of it growing up, or when did you read it, or when did you find it? I wasn't aware of it at all, and I was a big, big reader, so it's kind of surprising that, um, to be honest, I know we've been joking about the guernsey Jersey thing, it probably is... Jersey thing—that it probably is seen as a over there probably seen as a Guernsey book. Because I think I remember Steve talking to—yeah, Steve Foot is nodding that. I think he's tried to set up events promoting the biography, and it's kind of like they just don't know what he's talking about. It's—it's it's, so I, I think it's probably that. And so, but I kind of came to it. I'd either started or I was building up to trying to write um, a Jersey novel, which became Mainlander. And I wanted to read other Channel Island novels, and the, they're mainly Guernsey set for some reason. There aren't hardly any Jersey set novels. I read Toilers of the Sea, which is fantastic. Then I started Ebenezer and I got a bit stuck. And I can't remember whether it was me just thinking, oh, this is really great, but it's nothing like what I'm trying to do, so I don't need to check that I'm not, you know, treading on it or it's not all what I'm doing as, as it's been done before or whatever. And also because... It's so unusual that the way he goes into the narrative and the style of it, and, and the way he sets up the story, is it's very kind of elliptical and sort of diversionary, and he will sort of yeah. they'll jump around the timeline. And so, I, I, I and I found it reading really again for the podcast, I got a bit stuck at the beginning, and then when he, it's up and running and
0: everything's there, I just was overwhelmed yeah, by it. it and is and it, it, it is amazing once once yeah. all those wheels are turning. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's,
2: once everything all
0: the balls are in the air, it's, it's astounding. A, it's an incredibly difficult book to go away from and come back to I, I had to start you, again you just, yeah, you just, yeah you just have to keep in because the voice is so intense I had read it for um, when
1: we first started the podcast uh, a couple of people had said to me you know what would be a great book to do uh, the book of Ebenezer Page by GB Edwards and you know I I'd never heard of it I confess I'd never heard of it I so never, I read it I'd about three or four years, years ago mm. and I liked it very much I read it again for the purposes of this podcast, and it really blew me away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know the way some books do that on a second reading, if you're yeah. lucky enough to come back to them? I felt that once I knew what to expect, once the kind of the surprise, funnily mm-hmm. enough, had had had. Drifted away slightly, I could really engage with the book itself. And I got so much out of it on second it's reading. It's because
2: it's so intricate and there's so many stories. And like I say, because he's jumping around, that once that's sort of in your head from the first read, when you go back, you kind of you get it even more the way he drops things in. I mean, him being Edwards, but yeah, I mean, that, we need to talk about that, the kind of we, how we he do. gets onto that voice. So, but what I can I just ask as somebody who grew up on the Channel Islands. It kind of resonated with me on a kind of I've heard that voice, I've I've met that man in Jersey, and you know, in, the, in the, you'd, you'd hear it there. And I just wondered what it was like for you coming to it, if if it was hard to get into the rhythms or the.
0: John, how did it feel? I felt it was, it hit me with absolute force of revelation. It's a book, I feel it's a book I've been looking for. I've, I've yeah. never known anybody do that that monologue as well. Yeah, it's, people who listen to the podcast will know I love. That, that sort of W. H. Hudson, um, that the people who I suppose who are coming from a sort of peasant, uh, yeah. rural background, who are telling their life stories mm-hmm. in, in, in a direct way, I mean that, that's the first thing is that the voices I I, I don't think there's, there's not there's... a false step, is there? It's... yeah, and, and it's there's... and it's a big 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 book. I it's mean it's, not. it's you yeah. know you're, you're, you're... he delivers in an almost sort of James Joycean kind yeah. of detail names families kind of the whole of, of uh, sort of 80 years of, of, of the history of girls yeah but I then, read
1: um, uh, Dubliners a few weeks ago in a very on the nose gesture because I was going to Dublin <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I think the comparison with Dubliners in some respects is pretty good in terms of Dubliners is a book of short stories by James Joyce obviously but the idea of building up in an almost quilt-like way mm, yeah. a picture of a specific community, a specific place. That's one of the things that Gerald Edwards did in the book of Ebenezer
2: Le Page. And also with, with no sense at any point that that Edwards is trying to undercut Ebenezer in any way. There's nothing ironic about it. It's I mean
0: I think he achieves what very few novelists have achieved. I mean this is a big claim, but I think okay. he achieves what Lawrence was was kind of doing in some of his the early novels that we discussed recently that I know you can't stand. <laughs> but uh, Gerald Edwards was a uh, massive disciple of, of, yeah, uh, of H. Lawrence H. Yeah. and was, in fact, commissioned by Cape to write the f- what would have been the first book about D.H. Lawrence's work. He didn't f- eventually write it.
1: I'd also like to reassure any listeners who share my feelings about D.H. Lawrence, about <laughs> the ways in which the book of Ebenezer Page* differs from the work <laughs> of D.H. <laughs> Let me read the blurb on the back of the New York Review of Books edition. And incidentally, our friends at the New York Review of Books, until May the 24th, 2019, are (laughs) offering 30% off copies of the book of Ebenezer LePage if you buy from their website and you use the code backlisted. backlisted. (laughs) Here's the blurb on the back of the book. Ebenezer LePage... Cantankerous, opinionated and charming is one of the most compelling literary creations of the late 20th century. 80 years old, Ebenezer has lived his whole life on the Channel Island of Guernsey, a stony speck of a place caught between the coasts of England and France, yet a world apart from either. I'm just going to pause this because it occurs to me that that, that I'm wondering if Gerald Edwards' friend and biographer, Edward Cheney, who is sitting in the front row, staring at me. <laughs> I was told to sit here. Yeah, I know. You were, you were told to sit there. Did you write this blurb? No, I, well, I probably had to something to say about it. Yes. <laughs> Edward says he probably had something to say about it. It's quite a good blurb. We'll, we'll keep going. Ebenezer himself is fiercely independent, but as he reaches the end of his life, he is determined to tell his own story and the stories of those he has known. He writes of family secrets and feuds, unforgettable friendships and friendships betrayed, love glimpsed and lost. The book of Ebenezer Le Page is a beautifully detailed chronicle of a life, but it is equally an oblique reckoning with the traumas of the 20th century, as Ebenezer recalls both the men lost to the Great War and the German occupation of Guernsey during World War II, and looks with despair at the encroachments of commerce and tourism on his beloved island. G.B. Edwards laboured in obscurity all his life and completed the book of Ebenezer LePage shortly before his death. Published posthumously, the book is a triumph of the storyteller's art that conjures up the extraordinary voice of a living man. I think that's a very good blurb. And actually, the voice, that reference at yeah. the end to the voice of Ebenezer LePage, I think is, 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 is one of the remarkable things about the novel.
2: Will you just believe him and feel he was real. It's, I mean... I know that sounds really <laughs> simplistic, <laughs> and that's what books are supposed to do, but you, you you, just do. I really felt it.
1: We're going to read parts of the novel as we go along, but we thought it would be nice to hear the first paragraph of the book. There is an incredible 22-hour audiobook recording of Roy Dutrisse. 92 years old he was. Well, really he was, he was, he was wow. yeah, he was, he was in his late 80s or early 90s. 92. And I am reliably informed he recorded it in... Two days. Is that right? Something like that, yeah. You've recorded it in two days. It is, it's an absolutely terrific audiobook. And we've just got the first paragraph. And what I should say is when Roy Dutrisse introduces each chapter, he speaks like this. The book of Ebenezer the Page, <laughs> chapter one.
0: Guernsey, Guernsey, Gansai, Shania. So they say, well, I don't know, I'm sure. The older I get and the more I learn, the more I know I don't know nothing, me. I'm the oldest on the island, I think. Larsa Keripel from Plymouth say she is older, but I, I reckon she's putting it on, eh? When she was a young woman, she used to have her birthday once every two or three for years. But for years now, she's been having two or three a year. To tell you the truth, I don't know how old I am. My mother put it down on the front page of the big Bible, but she put down the day and the months and forgot to put down the year. I suppose I could find out if I went to the greff, but I'm not going to bother about that now, eh? It's just... Every,
1: all of us have now started the book of Ebenezer Le Page. <laughs> how many people here have read the book of Ebenezer LePage? Again, wow, again, no one. That seems, <laughs> extra- that seems extraordinary. <laughs> wow, what, what can you do? So, Will, now, this was your second go-through. This is my
2: second go-through,
1: yeah. What are the things about the voice? We heard the voice there. What, you said
2: it made you feel like it, he was a real person. <sighs> what I can't get my head around, I, I really genuinely don't know how he wrote it because it, it's obviously very intricately plotted, but then it's told by a man who is pretty much illiterate, doesn't read books, he's writing it like a novice, and yet Edwards is dropping in these plot things that make it absolutely work as a book. The structure and the artistry is completely of Edwards is completely subsumed into the by... The voice of Ebenezer. So it, it, I mean, it's ca- just
0: seamless. The and character of Ebenezer is so fully realised. Mm. I mean, there are all kinds of things you could have done. I mean, Ebenezer could have been full of knowledge and about uh, Guernsey. In a funny kind of way, he is and he isn't. Yeah. There's some very, very, very funny scenes in, in the book. Mm. But the one where he kind of gulls the archaeologist, Dudley. Dudley, Dudley Wayne. Dudley Wayne with an E. Yes. Yeah. He knows that these. The, these artifacts were, in fact, done very recently, and, and they're the standing yeah. there. They and I think the charm of the book is it, yeah. is that it it's totally believable. You know, you can know, yeah. as I did, practically nothing about Guernsey yeah. and its history, except for you know the headlines. You knew that it, that it was is occupied during mm. the war, and the way he deals with history and the way he deals with with mm. the war, uh, both wars, is so it's so delicately done and so believable mm. I, I think that's what makes it resonant I mean I, I found it um, and as well as being very very funny It's incredibly moving.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean there's a lot of negative qualities to him But it's there's a charm and an integrity to him that wins um, you and over.
0: one of the great endings in in, in all literature I think I, well, I was... yeah.
1: yeah, you use the word insular that's mm. very interesting. Well, he goes to Jersey once. Yeah, Didn't <laughs> <thin> like that <laughs> Never and going quite everyone's nodding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Goes to Jersey once they win for the win. That's they it. Win. That's the most he's, important. He's, thing. he's insular. He's of an island. And yeah. as you as you say, he doesn't read much, John. He's actually only read one novel Robinson, in his whole life.
0: *Robinson Crusoe*. He likes *Robinson Crusoe*. Crusoe. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: um, a good novel. Yeah. Uh, we were talking on the last episode of *Bat* listed about uh, a book, a different book by Daniel Defoe, and also a novel called *Crusoe's Daughter* by the novelist Jane Garden. and actually that. Uh, Reading Ebenezer LePage and Crusoe's Daughter close together is quite an interesting experience as well Mm. because because both books are about the extent to which one journeys through life alone. You start alone and you end alone um, one way or another. And, John, you talked about the ending. One of the extremely clever wily things that Edwards does in the book of Ebenezer the page is bring the past and the present closer together yeah, yeah. as the book it, it goes on It kind of goes yeah. into
2: real time at the end yeah, he's it's kind it, of writing yeah. it and then you suddenly yeah. it's actually happening. that device is, is I thought was brilliantly
0: handled and I mean there's there's uh, in Edwards brilliant book, genius friend which we'll talk more about uh, there's there is the discussion that 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 perhaps the ending was was mm. overdone and he resists that. That, it, it, that he sort of the plot is too neat. Yeah. The fact that it, it yeah. Without giving yeah. away massive spoilers, most of you have read it anyway, so you do. But both Liza and mm. uh, Ebenezer, it turns out that the young couple mm. that, that they're both related to, it's it's very neat. But I mean, I might write, I might read some from the end before before we go anyway, just because I, I think there's, there's... It's, the end is wonderful. Right? Yeah. It's the, the redemption and the. Um, In fact, uh, the the great American critic and and, and story writer Guy Davenport says, if I can remember it correctly, reaching for for the book, he said that it was the... He said, it was, I know of no description of happiness in modern literature equal to the one that ends this novel, which is a pretty extraordinary thing, but I, I kind of... I think that it reaches a
1: fair, actually.
0: I think again, there's a kind of euphoria to the end. There is. There's a crescendo of because there's a there's a comic thing. I mean. You know, that, that whole thing about who's he going to leave his money to. It's, it's, it's very funny. It's almost... There are times when it feels, for me, almost Chaucerian in that, that, mm. the, that, that sort of voice, the, 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 the repetition. He's going to try this, but yeah. and then... Yeah, of I'm course, not <laughs> and you're not getting it. And then he goes to see the... He thinks the policeman... No, no, I'm no. not leaving it to a policeman. Yeah. And he kind of gets... It's very, very funny. And there are some just straightforward farcical scenes when he's being pursued... We were talking about being pursued uh, by the the, 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 the
2: one-legged widow who wants yeah. to marry her. I, yeah, it was almost Flashman-esque <laughs> that where she, the Germans everything. are coming and she wants to come on the boat with her, go to England, and they're at the gangplank, and he's like, Oh, oh I've, I've left just my... left my left my money. You go on, I'll, I'll just get my money. <laughs> well,
1: and as a as a comedy writer, is the comedy coming from here? Is the comedy coming from character? And go back to yeah, this character yeah. of LePage. page. You know, it's his attitude not, and his. Turn yeah. of,
2: and that, that's again. There's, a, there's turns of phrase that really make me laugh in it. I like think a, a, a terrific. And there's there's jokes. You know, there's actual, you know, really funny bits. But it it, it doesn't. You, you still completely believe it's coming from, from Ebenezer because he's so, he's so rounded. He's so fully faceted and fully, fully realised.
1: One of the characters in the book of Ebenezer LePage, In fact, uh, at the beginning of the book, it says. Uh, this book is the property of, yes, <laughs> Neville Fowler. The property of Neville Fowler, it says. And on the front of the book, it says, a, there's a quote from William Golding, author of Lord of the Flies. To read it is not like reading, but living. I, I was in a shop in St Peterport yesterday, and I saw a copy of *Pincher Martin by William Golding. So I thought, oh, I'll buy that. And when I took it out of the shop and opened it up, It says, the property of Margaret Fowler. Ooh. 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 Is that you? Is that that seriously you? (laughs) (laughs) Is this your actual (laughs) copy?
2: Right, listen. Is this a simulation? (laughs) 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 That'll be guernsey. You know what, you and
1: I are going to have a chat, Margaret, (laughs) because this copy is hilarious. When I got it out... It's full of underlining. (laughs) It's (laughs)
0: my
2: dissertation. Ah!
1: It was your dissertation copy. On William Golding. You know, I don't want to give the impression this is a small island, but goodness me.
0: (laughs) There is something quite kind of like almost phantasmagoric, maybe just the jet lag, but looking at the war memorials and, you know, you've just, because you spent immersed in hours of this book. Uh, both reading and Roy De Trice in your ear, and then you look on the war memorials and the Laetitiers and the Majors, and the the, uh, the the names from the book just are, are there. It's, it's 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 it is a, it is a really really remarkable thing that, that, that he created. Maybe we should talk a little bit more about Gerald Edwards and the writing because the story of the, the book is a sort of tragic one. He spent most of his life, all of his life really, writing this one book. Early promise. I mean, he was a he, obviously a disciple of Lawrence but also a protege of John Middleton Murray, and the Adelphi magazine, and wrote f- famously wrote a very uh, vicious review of uh, Bernard Shaw. But he was regarded by his friends Middleton Murray, uh, uh, the author of One Upmanship, uh, Stephen Potter. T- Stephen Potter, and John Stuart Collis, who went on to write another one of those great rural narratives, The Worm Forgives the Plough, although very different. He was regarded as a kind of a genius, and yet he didn't kind of deliver. The book on Lawrence didn't didn't get written. Stuff wasn't published. And this book was originally planned as a trilogy, wasn't it, that that never actually happened. I mean, pulling it right forward to the the end of the 60s, which is when uh, Edward Cheney comes onto the scene... The book is finished and it's, it's rejected by the, the great literary houses of the day. One of the, I think, wonderful things about the book, apart from the, the extraordinary detective work of trying to. He burnt everything, didn't he? That's the, the kind of the key. There was very little left. The job of literary detective work in this book is wonderful, but also the, the, the picture is, as we were talking beforehand, Andy, of of how you went about submitting a book to a publisher yes. in the 1970s
1: one of the things about edward cheney's book genius friend is first of all it's an it's a, a it, tremendous work detective work trying to find out as much as he could about his friend who he'd met at the end of his life but edwards uh, left the rights of the book of ebenezer the page to edward cheney um And it's really thanks to Edward's efforts that the book was published and continues to be available in print and on audio. And the descriptions in Edward's book of how you went about approaching a publisher in the 1970s is totally fascinating. We forget how quickly technology has changed everything. (laughs) You tried to save up enough money to print one copy plus a spare Then you sent it to a publisher, they rejected it, (laughs) it came back several months later, it It did or didn't have a note attached.
0: Multiple submissions were were really frowned upon. And then
1: in the end it was picked up through a contact by Christopher Sinclair Stevenson at Hamish Hamilton in 1981 and was published very successfully in the early 1980s as a paperback by Penguin Books. I think what's interesting about it is that it then subsists on word of mouth, like all great books do. But we are talking about it here today, not because of its publishing I mean, success William when Golding it was first made published.
0: the Book of the Year in, 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 in 1981, and then it's picked up. Uh, Harold Bloom, the literary critic, includes it in his, in his book, The Western Canon. Uh, it, it gets included by Margaret Drabble in, her, in the, the, the new edition of the Oxford Companion to English Literature. It's widely admired, but it's still, I would reckon, a book that is, is, is you know, not known by a, a lot of the people who would consider themselves sort of on top of uh, the great novels of 20th-century literature, which I would certainly say this is one of the great 20th-century English novels, Guernsey novels. Do you think it's... What novels do you think it's similar
1: to? If someone hasn't read it and you want a point of comparison...
0: You're
2: like, I've only got a really unhelpful left-field comparison that it reminds... Well, there's two books it reminded me of. One, and you're just going to stare at me. One is Catcher in the Rye because of the voice. It's yeah. it's a direct mm, okay. voice completely untethered by literary convention and it's just speaking to you directly and you're just... I, I'm just going to get download of that character. Um, and the other is uh, Philip Roth's Sabbath Theatre yeah. because both Emily's LePage and um the theatre, I think, are about grief and loss. And um, it reminds me, his feelings about Jim, which affects him throughout his life, reminds me very much of when Mickey Sabbath, who, the similarity to Ebenezer is, is a kind of cantankerous. He's much more objectionable than Ebenezer, but he's a, just a provocateur and just likes blowing up social situations. And then at the end, you realise... It's because his brother died in the war, and, and there's, a, there's a scene where he, he goes to find an, an old cupboard that an old family member has, the, the flag that he was given when his brother's body comes back, and there's this scene of him, and he's just walking up and down the beach they used to go to as kids in the rain, crying for hours, and it just chokes me up as I talk about yeah, it, as, yes. as the death in this does. John, any any advance on
1: Sabbath
0: <laughs> theatre and Catcher in the Rye? As, as sort of fiction, I mean, I, you've got the, the voice-led fiction... You know, there's there's nothing of, of that period, but you know what Adam Thorpe tried to do in Ulverton, mm. capturing the rhythms, or Graham Swift in Waterland trying to catch the rhythms of, mm. of vernacular speech. I'll always come back to Ridley Walker as a sort of a, a similar yes. thing. But the thing about about Ebenezer is that he is he could be a nineteenth it's, it's yeah. amazing it could, yeah. he could be a nineteenth century character. There's a sort of timeless. Mm. Again, there's a sort of almost a Beckett element there although it's the more accessible end of beckett that waiting for god crap's last tape an old man's voice remembering and yeah. going back and re-going over his life what I about you of,
1: well, i thought that there are three books that i thought okay one is straightforward it's very like an a, american novel by a writer called alan gaganus yeah called oldest living confederate widow tells all who's a massive fan who was a massive oh, i fan? only discovered no, that yeah. yesterday yeah Alan Gaganus was a huge fan of the book of Ebenezer LePage, which is not to suggest that he's borrowing. As Anne Tyler But the, the as well. idea of Amazing. that extended monologue by somebody mm-hmm. living not just their life, but the century up to that point yeah. is very, very close to Oldest Living Confederate Widow Tells All. The other books it reminded me of, one of them. I'm not sure I even... I'm not a big fan of either of these books. And actually, I preferred the book of Ebenezer LePage to either of these books, but they did come to mind. The first one is The Ragged Trouser Philanthropist yep. by Robert Tressel. The reason why I mentioned that book is it seems to me that although The Ragged Trouser Philanthropist has some flaws, it's still a tremendously important novel because there are no other novels like it. And in that respect, you know, an editor could cut... 50,000 words, 100,000 words from the Ragged Trouser Philanthropist, as indeed they did when it was first published. And it would probably improve the book. And yet there's something wonderful about how baggy and discursive it is. To some extent, I feel that with the book of Ebenezer LePage. The other point of comparison for me, and I, John, would lay money that Christopher Sinclair Stevenson had this book in mind when he agreed to publish the book in 1981 is 100 Years of Solitude Solitude. by
0: Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Now, they're nothing like one another. Midnight's Children, weirdly, is also much more show-offy. But if if you're going for that sort of inside the head of a... Yes.
1: But they're also... They're they're on big canvases and they're about communities over a long number of times and family relationships and friends. And it seems to have that, that kind of yarning element which was popular in fiction in the late 1970s and early 1980s. So I, can, I see that Christopher Sinclair Stevenson is not just responding to the literary quality of the book, but also he can see that there's a, a commercial opportunity for the book, and that's what makes great publishing. It's bringing those two things together.
0: I was just thinking of the, the thematic thing in the book as well, which is the attempt that Ebenezer is remembering his life and he doesn't like what's happened. Guernsey. He doesn't like modern life, and I think you know. Again, what, what's brilliant about genius friend is you you realise that uh, that uh, Gerald Edwards was similar in this regard. Didn't like the modern world much. It could be a tremendously conservative, restrictive, disappointed book, and the fact that it doesn't end up being that. Although, as we've said, he is ornery and difficult. Uh, I don't think I've read any any book that, where the the philosophy. The, the idea of you know I, here are some things I, I really I'm interested in, the role of religion in, in people's lives, the the, the the arguments, you know that so, you, you you find in great Russian novels Dostoevsky in particular discussions about the nature of faith, discussions about about the the importance of of of, of what religious faith is, of doubt, of the loss of faith. The character Raymond, mm-hmm. who is uh, uh, um, the Nephew, I think I'm right. Cousin. Cousin. Cousin, yeah. but he's
1: older, so he yeah, that's him right. His uncle, yeah. Okay. Well, do yeah. you want to just say a bit about Raymond?
0: Because I think Raymond, the character of
1: Raymond in the novel, is for me was the most powerful and the most moving uh, portrayal in that's the It's the book. kind of Levin of the book, because of the sort of the innocence and the sort of the, the he's a character who can who can't fit. Who tries whatever shape he can force himself into, it yeah. never works.
2: Yeah, he has. A, he sort of quite enjoys being in the the army, sort of brings him up a bit, he doesn't get to go and fight, so that's good, and then it's religion. And then there's that awful bit where Ebenezer doesn't see him for years after the marriage is broken down, and then he finds him drunk at the seawall, and the, the implication is he was going to kill himself, and then he brings him home to live with him, and then the occupation happens, and then he goes over to the other side of the island, and it all goes badly wrong. Uh, <laughs> it all goes no, Spoilers. It's, the spoiler yes. should be it all goes badly wrong again and again. <laughs> but, it all goes okay, badly can, can wrong. I, can I make a point about spoilers? Because what I find fascinating about this book is it is littered with spoilers throughout. <laughs> every time he introduces a character and it's amazing. It doesn't affect you that, it, you know, um, he'll say, you know, he'll mention Raymond and then he'll say, oh, of course, he came to a terrible end. You know, he just kind of blows things out. Like and then there's this bit that I was just like, I mean, it just breaks every rule. It's amazing. He goes, uh, I could say anything to Jim. If I had done a murder, as it happens, I have in a way, I could have told him, and he would have liked me just the same. That's a hell of a thing to just slip into <laughs> conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Just as an aside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, murdered a couple of people. That's just there,
1: and you're like, what?
2: do you want to read us the murder in question? The murder? Yes. Mm. Let me find the murder. I thought you were going to ask me to read the other bit, but I can't. No, read. no I'm, I'm working read up that. to that. I'll I read can't. that. Okay. So
1: backstage, Will was saying, I can't do it. he was saying, do you want me to read something? What where the murder? Is. And I was, I went, yeah, we'd love you to read some bits. He went, it's just the thing is. There's one part that I've tried reading aloud three times and I can't do it without weeping. You know, I genuinely choked
2: up. I just well, lose it. it. The, the,
0: the, the treatment also of the ambiguity over Raymond's uh, sexual orientation mm. in the book is yes. so beautifully germ, handled, yeah. so subtly handled, you know, that he, 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 he marries. And that's just character after character of genius, Christine, his wife. There's a very famous essay by Angela Carter about. D.H. Lawrence, and how D.H. Lawrence was as a cross-dresser, that no man should be this obsessed with women's clothing, the detail that Lawrence put into writing about women's clothing. And she accuses him of being a, a closet cross-dresser, which was the kind of thing that was fun to do in the 1970s. But Ebenezer's is all over the, uh, the clothes, women's clothes. He's brilliant well, at, at descriptions. Got a couple of... Go on. Uh, well, I don't actually have a, a particularly brilliant description of women's clothes <laughs> here, but, I, trust, what I, but... Trust us. What I could do was to read... The, this is this is a, a beautiful passage, I think, about him talking to Raymond. And this idea of how do you get ideas into a novel without them feeling like a, a sort of cut and paste. Ian McCune. I've just spent a year with a brain surgeon, he has a lot of stuff about brain surgery. <laughs> the long dark evenings, he would talk to me by the hour of his misery as a child... of the half-and-half happiness of his marriage. It was those winter evenings I learnt most of what I've written about him in this book, and a lot I haven't said and won't say. I think his heart was broke because he doubted if God was love. Cup of love isn't love, he said. Is there any other? I didn't want to have to answer that question. Is there Ebenezer, he said. Have you ever known it? Yes, I said. He sat for a long time, looking into the fire, saying nothing. At last, he said... You're thinking of your friend, Jim Mahi. I said, I wasn't thinking of Jim as a matter of fact. I was thinking of Jean-Baptiste and my sister Tabitha. He said, yes, but Jim and Jean are dead. It's easy to believe in it because it wasn't broken. They didn't break it of themselves, I said. Perhaps it never really is broken if the truth was known. I don't know why I said that, because I'm not at all sure I believe it. He said, I hope to God you're right. It's brilliant, I think. Yeah.
1: I, I, will, I just want to mention, you were talking about the the um, female characters. I, I think we should issue a, a <laughs> 21st century warning that there is a strain of um, misogyny running through the character of Ebenezer mm-hmm. LePage yeah. in the novel, which was picked up at the time. I've got a review by the great Peter Kemp, um, which is an excellent review. He loves the book, but I just want to read this out and then we'll just, mm. I'd like to run it by you and see what you, what you both feel about it. He says, standardisation is what the novel itself never lapses into. Managing to be both matter-of-fact and out-of-the-ordinary, it has many original strengths and some eccentric weaknesses. And I would add, of course, the eccentricity is in fact one of the, the strengths of the novel. Most prominent among the latter is its attitude towards women. Was she a human being or only a female? Ebenezer wonders at one point. In keeping with such broodings, a vein of misogyny runs through the book. Hardy-esque ruminations on the horrors of marriage abound. Once a man's married, he's alone for the rest of his life. A man must learn to live crucified. That's what marriage is for. Illustrating the truth of such openings, most of the book's wives are scheming harpies. Clapping men into wedlock, they detach them from their friends, then hound them to breakdown or the grave. One carries persecution even further, burying her husband in the colours of, of his football club's rival team. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now, but that's not a reason not to read the book, isn't, right?
0: Isn't that just the genius? This is why we read fiction, okay? If you know about Gerald Edwards, and you know about the, the kind of the, the, the stuff that he was... You know, Lawrence was... We all know about Lawrence's misogyny. It, it kind of all emanates... Schopenhauer and Nietzsche, in, in particular Nietzsche, you know, the, the stuff that was around in the air at the time. The genius of the novel is, yes, you have got characters saying these things, but they're saying them in character as characters. But you've also got some of the, I think, some of the best... Liza Kirapel is one of the great characters in fiction. The fact that she will not bend to None. any man's will, at le- least of all Ebenezer's. But the, the ending of the book has got to be one of the most glorious, the, the je t'aime passage at the end of the book, where they, they meet when they're old, and she's old and bent and feeding chickens, and he kisses her, and he kisses her quite, in quite a sexy way. As, as an, I mean, it's... And
2: she's still got the milk churn, the silver a, milk churn that he bought her.
0: Yeah. Exquisite. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing, you know, Lawrence, uh, if he'd only followed it more himself, you know, trust the tale, not the teller, Whatever, whatever stuff is, is, is floating around there and the attitudes, which are... Yeah, they, that, that some of the characters say things and Ebenezer says things which are clearly... It doesn't really matter because, in the end, as a reader, you you, you can see that, that that he... You know, you don't need to have all the philosophical uh, baggage. You, you yeah. can just see that those are beautifully realised characters. I and, think
1: it doesn't matter. Well, and I'm I think... It matter, and the
0: comedy, yeah, Latabi, La the it, two sisters are brilliant...
2: It would be odd if the character was a feminist. It just wouldn't... (laughs) So it's that balance of... You don't want to dismiss that and say, oh, it doesn't matter because that's just how he is, or or you you can see elements of the story that would make him turn turn him towards misogyny because of the frustrations he has with Lisa. You can can make an argument for that.
1: I also think the character is alive.
2: That's one of the
1: remarkable things about the book. Because the character is so alive, I, I can live with his flaws. You know, yeah, that, you, but but even it, part, I don't feel the, compelled but, but to pass a, judgment on that. No, him, that's right? the thing, when
2: you say, but, I like the book and I, I love the character, that doesn't mean you agree with him on every, every, everything he says. It doesn't mean you don't disprove
0: I mean, of it, it his is, viewpoints. And it seems to me that although there are obvious elements in which Gerald Edwards is, you know, you, can never, you write a character, you can't not put... It's, it, it, it's through the, the, your filter. It does seem quite, uh, quite a, a remarkable feat... For Edwards, who doesn't really go back to Guernsey, yeah, that's the amazing. Th- yeah, much. I, I think it's like, the old like, trip, though. like Joyce writing about Dublin, reconstructs mm. it all in his head. Yeah, and you know, it, fascinating reading. Edwards' book is. This is not a character who, Edwards, who is particularly prepossessing. I have to say. Mm. I mean, there's. You know, he's. It's certainly in his early stuff. He's quite. He's quite arrogant and, and, and difficult to like. And there's there's a there's. He, I mean, he's interesting, mm. but he creates this. Absolutely authentic voice, um, and it's it it, it it it. I can't think of any any more. I mean, articulate way of. of Describing what it is that fiction does that nothing else can do. You create these characters that, that genuinely live. So, several times I had to remind myself that this was a novel, I, well, that this wasn't that, actually a memoir, this wasn't actually yeah. somebody's real life. I
2: mean, like, that's why I find myself crying over the death of someone who didn't exist. I mean, <laughs> what, what is happening? Can we read that? Do you want to I No, I'm not going to read it. I'll do it. I I'll can't read it. it. Okay. I can't. I don't, no, I did.
0: He was up with the lark in the morning and out swearing at the cows. He was good at swearing before, but he was better now, and used swear words even I didn't know. I think they was Welsh, but the cows didn't take a blind bit more notice than when he used to swear at them in their own language. Tabitha came for dinner to house that Sunday, and in the afternoon when Jim and me were sitting on the rocks, he said A pity I couldn't have married Tabitha. I would have loved Tabitha. I too wished he could have married Tabitha, though I liked Jean. He told me about his training. He was a good shot with a rifle, he said, but then he always had been. If I can shoot birds, I suppose I can shoot men, he said. But I knew he didn't like the idea. He didn't like throwing hand grenades. He said when he pulled the pin out of the mills bomb, he was always afraid it would go off before he got it out of his hand. I hoped he wouldn't be in a bayonet charge. I couldn't do that to a chap, he said. I said, they'll give you rum before you go over the top and he'll be trying to do the same to you. I can't rip a chap open, he said. It don't matter who he is. He spent the rest of his leave with Phoebe and the kids. I got a postcard from him from Southampton saying he was on his way. At the bottom he wrote, don't sigh, don't cry. I got one letter from him from France, but there was black lines through most of it. All I could read was, don't think I have forgotten you. If you don't hear from me for a week or two, I'll write again as soon as I can. I saw the news in the press. I'd just come in from work and the press was on the table where the boy had thrown it. My mother was frying some fish for our tea. I opened the press, as I always did, hardly thinking of what I was doing. I saw it at once, killed in action. James Mahy, beloved son of James and Agnes Mahy of Le Grand Gégard, St. Sampson's, for God and King and Country. I went out of doors. I cried.
2: I can't get no, no. <laughs> I'm going. It, it's big, it's, there's so many things going on there that, that just absolutely break me. And, and one is Ebenezer's reaction, which is he can't cry in front of his mother. He just has to go out and be alone and cry. See, I'm getting it now. It's just I really... I don't know why. I'm really blowing my hard man image here. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's Jim as well. Jim it's, it's is just like a big kid. Kid, yeah. it's, the, it's the naivety. It's like, oh, I, he's I can't a, he's bayonet. Farmer, so, he's, he a, can't. he's just a big farmer who's being sent out with a bayonet. And he's like, I can't do that. And then, and then and preceding that, when... And you discover when that he, he was ripped off, He I mean, goes he, over the he, top and he's ripped, he ripped, ripped death yeah. 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 but, but also, when he tells Ebenezer uh, that he's, he's going to go and fight, and Ebenezer's sort of saying, what do you want to do that for? It's nothing to do with us. It's, you don't have to... Why are you volunteering? At least wait until you're a And Because he, he, he's been to England once before, and he says, I want to ride the big train again. <laughs> and you, you're just like, oh, I can't... Yeah. It's just... It just gets me. I just... It's terrible. And it's also because that's his... What, the love of his life, to some extent. And, well, I, and also
0: the pain you've been through through the marriage and the fact that, you know, that he and yeah. Jim haven't... You know, the, the regrets. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. I, and it, he also
2: says, if I'd have told him to stay... He might have stayed, yeah. but I didn't.
0: And his guilt towards the mother, because the mother thought, so you've always got influence over him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I was very lucky. Um, Steve Foote gave me a tour of the, uh, some of the sites of of uh, the Page this morning. And um, Steve is an expert and has reconstructed where they think certain houses were. And uh, Lisa Kerapel's house uh, is currently up for sale. <laughs> Her plain Guernsey cottage. Do you know how much it's on for? Six hundred thousand pounds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to live simply in the Lisa Carapel style. The uh, amazingly enough, just last week, uh, Laurie Lee's uh, cottage in Slad, uh, the, the one the one next to his cottage where the, the two grannies were lived, is that's also five five hundred and twenty-five thousand. Yeah.
2: We're going to have um, to wind up in a minute. I was going to read <laughs> the murder bit, but I won't, I won't read that from earlier. I, can I read the bit where Ebenezer and his sister Tabitha have tea with Otto, who's a German soldier that <laughs> takes uh, Ebenezer, has to go with Ebenezer when he goes out fishing and, and they become friends. Yeah, the whole occupation is it, so beautifully it, done. Ah, yes. She was in the kitchen boiling the everlasting sugar beet when I asked Otto to come in. He came in and stood to attention as if he was on parade. This is my friend Otto, I said. She turned round from what she was doing and faced him but stood as stiff as he was and didn't make a movement to shake hands nor say a word. I said to Otto, this is my sister Tabitha. She is a widow. Her husband was killed in the First World War. I trusted him to understand why she was behaving as she was. He said, my father was also. Tabitha held out her hand. He took it in his and bowed his head over it. I brought some fish, I said, and put it on the table. She said, I will cook it now if Otto can stop and have some. He said he could. Well, she cooked it and made some real tea with what was left over from what I had brought from Horace, which she would never have done otherwise. And there was bread, though it was mousy bread rather, and even a whisper of butter. I taught Otto to say Orfie. He said it was good. I know it was the meal I enjoyed most of any I ate during the whole of the occupation. <laughs> Nowadays, when every year there is a celebration of the liberation, it isn't so much the cheers and the excitement of when we were freed I think of, though I was glad and excited as anybody, but Otto, Tabitha and me, sitting around the table eating long nose. That was Liberation
0: Day. Brilliant. Um, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Nearly um, all. Nearly all. You've got something up your sleeve, haven't you, Andy? Mm-hmm. Um, I should say thank you to our wonderful audience here at the Guernsey Literary Festival. Thank you to Will. Thank you to our technical team at the back. Chaz and Drew. Chaz and Drew. Thank you, Chaz and Drew. Thank you, Chaz and Drew.
1: John, anything else before I turn it over to the audience? No,
0: backlisted.fm. If you want, there'll be show notes and links and all the other stuff that we've done for the so podcast. thanks john thanks will if you prefer to listen to backlisted without adverts you can sign up to our patreon it's www.patreon.com forward slash backlisted as well as getting the show early you get a whole two extra episodes of what we call Locklisted, which is andy me and Nikki talking about the books, music and films we've enjoyed in the previous fortnight.